Hello, thanks for stopping by Liberty Sessions, where we unpack one woman's entrepreneurial journey to help another woman launch her own. I'm your host, Netta Jones. Please join me as we start liberating dreams one episode at a time. Hello there, Liberty listeners. Welcome to another episode of Liberty Sessions. And today I am thrilled to have a new kind of story on your hair, a backstory on your hair. You guys are all going to want to use this product, so you'll know what I mean when I'm done. But we're excited to have Devin Graciano in studio with us. Hey, Devin. Woo! (laughs) Hey, it's so good to be here. Thanks for having me. Of course, your woo is a sign of good things to come. I can tell. I can tell. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your company? Okay. So when I created Use Me Hair Products... Use Me. Use Me. Not You Me. Okay. Use Me. Okay. Good, good, good. So it's Use Me Hair Products. When I created it, it was taken from my experience working with hairdressers and just people around the world not really understanding how to use hair products. So I wanted to create that difference in a simple package and label form. But also with that is to rethink how the formulations come together. So using really clean ingredients, Mm -hmm. something that's more good for you with a nice balance. So what I wanted is to create like an all-in-one, one-stop shop, wash and go type of hair product that's going to give you the luxury factor and the understanding factor. So what, okay, so what was the problem when you talk about that? Was that a problem that you understood because you were an expert in hair or did we, the consumer, know that we had this problem? I think everyone knows that they have the problem, but it's not something we talk about all the time. So when I'm working behind the chair, because I still work with clients, I can't let them go. I love them. So a few days a month I work with them. Uh, They can be very honest with me and they will tell me, you told me how to use this product, I don't know how many times, and now it's sitting underneath my bathroom sink. Right. I forgot how to use it. Or and I used I it crazy once. amounts of money yeah. for it. Or they're right. like, oh no, so-and-so saw this on social media and I grabbed it and I used it once and I hate it. Okay, well, let's break this down. How did you use it? Mm-hmm. And their answer is completely off the wall. Like, no, that's why you hate it. <laughs> You're not using it properly. And so through my experience of interactions with people, it's very common. Even for my sister who has a hairdresser sister, father, and mother, she doesn't know how to blow dry her hair. And she's a part of the population that does it. Wow. So it was my how full-time did she, job. Wait, back up. <laughs> how did she miss that? <laughs> just, we need to get We're her in here. We're talking about somebody who burns bagel bites, okay. like in the microwave. Okay. 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 She has other skills. She, I'm sure she's she has good other at cleaning skills. teeth. <laughs> oh, there you go. There you go. Yeah. So it's a, it's a common issue and it's something, it's like, um, I'll use her as an example because she does clean teeth. We've brushed our teeth since we were very young, but you go to, to the dentist and you're like, oh, I've been brushing wrong. Yeah. It's like that. Totally. Where okay. there is aha moments or you think that something's wrong, but you usually blame your own hair for it. Yes, I have been. Um, <laughs> so it, we're talking about washing, conditioning, mm-hmm. product, styling product. What are we talking about specifically? Okay. So when, when we launched, mm-hmm. uh, we have four total products, mm-hmm. shampoo, conditioner. We have this holy grail product. Mm. It is Daily Vitamist. 
Essentially, it's six in one. So it's infused with biotin. So if you know much about biotin, that's what helps to increase your hair growth. It also keeps the health of the hair that's already on your head, like that's laying down where people say this is dead. Yeah. That biotin really um, supplies nutrients to keep it healthy. And uh, so this one is going to be your heat defender, your anti-frizz. It gives you more shine. It refreshes your hair. Like today, you want to refresh your hair because you washed it two days ago. It's going to be a refresher. It detangles. It is a sunscreen. Oh, my gosh. And it gives you nutrients. So it's like everything. Not only is it um, like I, I just didn't like leaving conditioners. It's like, okay, one more conditioner, like one more step, you know, right. but what else does it do? Leave-in conditioners usually stop at leave-in conditioning. I wanted to amplify that and give you an actual useful benefit. And then we have- And it's it, probably not as heavy as a leave-in conditioner. All because feather, it's, a it's I say it's invisible. Okay. I wanted this to be invisible. So if you want to feel that hard crunch, go to a different <laughs> hairspray. Because <laughs> we know you're out there. I don't, does anybody want to hear, feel well, the crunch? And that's why like, yeah. I have a, a self-adapting wave and curl cream that's just flipping- heads like upside down. Like okay. what is going on with this self-adapting cream? It is essentially like a body lotion. Okay. And you can rub it into your hands because I know I have a kid. I'm always on the go. Yeah. I don't always have time to wash my hands. That sounds disgusting. Yeah. But <laughs> I don't. And if my clients hear this, yeah. I get to it. <laughs> yeah. But I wanted something that wouldn't feel tacky on your hands and same with your hair. So once you use it, if you have extra and you're just running out the door, just you rub it just in your it. hands. Um, but this is really unique because it self-adapts to just about every single hair type. I'm talking model pretty hair in LA with the soft beach waves. It's just going to enhance that wave and just push it out. Just mm -hmm. really glossy and, and beautiful movement. And I also have like girls with that kinky hair they live in the south they will use gel and oils sure. and they're they've completely trashed those and they're only using this product now so it even helps with that t like super tight kinky curl um so it self-adapts so these four products it sounds like kind of soup to nuts handle everything everything okay even the blow dry after you use the curl cream like i want wavy hair today but Friday, I'm going to happy hour. I want it straight. You just put the blow dryer in, boom, it goes straight. Okay. All right. This We got to see this. Um, what did you do kind of, I mean, we know that you were doing hair, but what did you do that informed product development? Like, how did you know how to get into this whole side of the business? Uh, that started off really young. So um, as I mentioned, my dad is also a hairdresser. Right. Same with my mom. And I think I was like 13. At the time, I went to my first hair show in Las Vegas and I was just walking. It was like a, a date with my dad. So we were walking around and I saw some professionals on a platform with, they were mic'd up and they had models. And I stopped and I told my dad, that's what I want to do. That's it. I, and from then on, I always said, Wow. I'm going to be on stage. I want to be, I didn't know exactly what the terminology was. I just said, I want to do hair on a stage. I want to work with models. I want to be behind the scenes. I want to do entertainment and fashion week. I do not want to take a client in my life. That's only what I want to do. Like I like being behind yeah. the scenes. Yeah. And um, of course, being on a platform, you're not behind. You're right in front. Yeah. However, the whole process. So once I, I thankfully, 
graduated high school through a continuation school and mm-hmm. then ended my credits through college mm-hmm. while I was enrolled at Citrus for cosmetology, mm-hmm. which is down here. So um, from there, I just – I would always find a need in the market. So while I was a student – Everyone was obsessed with hair extensions, but nobody Uh knew how to do it. And then the only people who did, it was thousands of dollars. So while I was a student, I went to the Long Beach Hair Show and marketed myself like I was already licensed. And I was hired on the spot with an extension company. (laughs) And I would start training my peers, were my first students teaching hair extensions. And I just went from there. But how my mind works is always asking why. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like, why does everyone want hair extensions? It was, okay, where is this need? What, how can I apply it? And why is this specific hair extension going to be the one I teach? Is this going to, are they going to have value from it? Because I'm not a cheater. I'm a very honest person. So I want to find something quality to sure. give them that's sure. worth their time. And that was probably the most humbling experience being the teacher to my, uh, my friends. Yeah. Um, but from there, then I went into Tony and Guy hairdressing uh-huh. and got properly trained. And you have to start by sweeping the floors and doing all of that, being the assistant. And uh, they have educational classes every Monday. A part of those classes, you have to learn every bedhead catwalk S-Factor products that they've ever made, know their features and benefits, and you have to recite them along with doing live models. So I really got my education through Tony and Guy wow. Influence, but I went deeper than that because I wanted to know why is it giving it a texture level five? Why is the volume a two? Or why is this one zero? I wanted to know what was making that happen. And that's just naturally how I think I want to know the why past just the information. And by asking all those questions, at some point you became a bank of that information. I understand whether it's Uh texture or volume or smoothness or whatever, you know, conditioning. I now can find myself, let's say, in a position where I can go back and say, okay, I want that piece of that. Mm -hmm. I really liked that from that product. So as you started working with people to develop the line, you had real information on what it is you wanted to achieve and then how to achieve it was where they stepped in. Absolutely. So through the years, I mean, gosh, 15 years later, imagine Mm -hmm. doing that in your brain almost every day. Like it was seven days a week for me. And so um, I started becoming the number one requested educator for product knowledge and fundamentals because that's where I honed in my my entire psyche. And uh, And were you taking any clients? I was still taking clients. Okay. You were, so you were always taking clients. So that's sort of the the 13-year-old who said, I never want to have just clients or that sort of business Uh still had some clients and you could probably be somewhat choosy because you had this other thing on the totally and it's funny because I started taking clients with my next door neighbors and then their parents started coming to me and it started growing within my little town Mm -hmm. because uh, I would go in having this theory of I think this is going to work in this way can Mm -hmm. I try it on you and then it would work out I think if my first my first hair a client, my first client ever, it was a full head highlight and a color. I think, <laughs> and I think back like, what was I doing? But at that time it turned out beautiful. 
if it hadn't, who knows if I'd be here. I probably right. would have ran the other direction. Right. It was like, it was your sign of keep going. You're on yeah. to something. Yeah. So, so really this idea of now having a product it was part of who you were and yeah. that you were curious and that you were trying to make things better, that you were looking for segments of the market that weren't served. So it was sort of a natural part of who you were. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And in an industry that you really got to know pretty intimately, not only growing up in it, but being a part of it. Um, What do you think has been to date anyway, the hardest part of launching the, the brand specifically not so not just working behind the scenes as a stylist or owning, having your own salon, but actually developing the product and getting it out to these national hands. The hardest thing was fear. Mm. That was it. When I was younger, I was fearless because I knew I had time for trial and error. Once my daughter came into Mm. the picture, I felt pressure. And when you feel pressure, fear comes over you because you're you're scared to fail. And I think having the hesitation – I've had this written down in a notebook for years and I never did anything with it because I was comfortable. I was getting paid extremely well. I was, I got to see the world. I was on an airplane four days a week. Yeah. And it was, it was a very um, intense lifestyle, but I was comfortable. As soon as I thought, you know what, I meditated, I prayed about it. And the answer was the time is now. Mm. And so every time, every day when I meditate and I think about it, I I tell myself, if this isn't supposed to be, slam the doors in my face. I do not want to step forward one more step. And every single day I did that, there would be a random phone call or another person asking me about like, when are you going to do a product line? And it continued to open doors. So I knew it was time to do it. Still to this day, I battle that fear mm-hmm. of failure, but I've also accepted failure. I made peace with it. That way it doesn't hold me back. I love that. And it's interesting because I think it's, as you said, not only the fear of, I now have this other person that I'm responsible for. Mm -hmm. And so I can't make a mistake, but it's also having had all the success you had, it's, it's, it's hard to fail when it's like, oh, well, what does she think she's doing? Or who does she think she is? Um, leaving behind all of this. Right. And people in that space can feel like it diminishes them or what they do. And you need to just be like, it's not, that's not my concern. This right. I have to do this for me. No. So there's a whole other thing coming from success that you probably had to deal with and was somewhat internalized until you decided through meditation and prayer to say, this is, this is about something else and it has to, I have to walk through that. You nailed it. Because I think for me, even on like my personal Instagram, I'm almost, I still hesitate. Should I post this? Because I still, there's people I looked up to and I still do in the industry. And I feel like, is this enough? Like, am I doing something that they can say like, oh, we trained her. Oh, you know, we, uh, we loved her because she was great at this. I don't know if there's going to be jealousy, bad juju over it. I don't know if people look at it and laugh. Like there's, I'm an overthinker. And so that even to this day makes me hesitate. And what do I expose? Or do I just have the girls do it through the other social media outlet? (laughs) Yeah. 
Isn't that really funny? interesting? Yeah. yeah. It's funny how much of ourselves is wrapped up into whatever our platform is. And I think on one hand, it's really great because we can be vulnerable and show other women specifically, like they can look to you as an example um, and say she's fearless and she's going for it and she's putting she's putting herself out there. Um, and on the other hand, it does feel like something we want to kind of shy away from and say, I'm not really trying to call this attention to myself. I'm yes. really just trying to do good, meaningful work. Yeah. So it's funny how it is. That because happens. I mean, I, my it's, like, living, it's, on, it's just high school, but it is, uh, uh, it's grown up high school. Steroids. I would yeah. be, I, I am more comfortable on a stage with 5,000 people in the crowd. I can talk to them for days. But as soon as it's like attention comes on me yeah. and we're one-on-one, -on -one, I clam up. Is this enough? Was that even good enough to photograph? Yeah. Where am I at? So it's very interesting. I wonder if it's the difference between like as a performer, it's outward. But when it's like that, when it's that intimate, it's like, oh, you're going to see me. Uh, this isn't this isn't exposure that I am comfortable with. Yeah, because I'm actually an introvert. Yeah. <laughs> You're a good introvert. You're, yeah, I like that. I heard somebody the other day, um, I was listening to a podcast actually, and she said, oh, it was, um, is it Eileen or Elaine Fisher? Eileen Fisher, uh -huh. uh, the, the designer. And she said she's um, an extroverted introvert. She, that was the, yeah, I was like, yep, oh, that's and that good. Makes complete that's sense. good. Yeah, I know that. I understand that. Um, so the hardest part has been fear, and it's obviously something that you have been working through and overcoming. And as you said, even now it's something that you deal with, but it sounds like you've figured out what, it, what it is and what to do with it when right. you start to feel it. Um, your parents were entrepreneurial in that they worked as stylists or, and in a salon. Did they work for themselves ever or did they always work for someone else? Well, my mom ended up taking the hardest role which she calls a domestic engineer. Yes. And so yes. she is the boss. Yeah. And domestically, that's where her path led. My father was absolutely amazing. Before my time, he was working with that Dal Sassoon. He traveled the world. He was the wig master in Hollywood with all the Hollywood stars wow. and films. He did uh, showgirls in Las Vegas when they were super out there with their hair. And he never spoke about it at all. I had to find out what he did. I thought my dad just goes to, to work. I had no idea. And I was at his mom's house and I was in the room you shouldn't go in. Yeah. <laughs> and I found all these like buckets of trophies and pictures and newspapers and my dad's in it. And I'm like... I'm opening up this um, portfolio and the hair is sculpted in a way I've never seen. I had no idea you could do this with hair. And I brought it to his attention. And when I said, dad, did you do this? Like, what is it? Yeah. He sits there. And if you ever meet my dad, it will make complete sense. He sits there and he goes, <laughs> and he's just, he's like a Santa Claus. If you can imagine Santa Claus, just a, um, uh, what is it? A bowl full of jelly yeah, when he yeah, laughs. Yeah, yeah. That's my dad. He laughs with his body mm. and he just kind of brushed it off because he's not a showy, egotistical type of a, a person. person. And so I noticed, um, I noticed that characteristic in him. He loves education and he still is director of education at Citrus for cosmetology and works behind the chair a couple days a month as well. Um, and he is going to be 76 this year. Wow. And he started when he was 14. He wow. was a high school dropout. 
So, so for his, so he did have that sort of entrepreneurial spirit and he was doing things ahead of his time and he was, whether he ever worked for just himself or for other people. Yes, he did. And it's interesting. I remember when I first went into cosmetology school, I learned about uh, lightener or bleach or whatever you want to call it. Um, I was learning about it and uh, my first months in cosmetology school. And I said, how come there's not something that can heal your hair while you bleach it out? Because I was learning about why it explodes the hair and how it decolorizes it. And um, I had a deep conversation with my parents. And so my mom said, call your Uncle Don. It's on her side of the family. Uncle Don actually started uh, Cytosport, which is muscle milk. He started several fun things just to enjoy. Uh, and uh, the first Hilton Hotels, he helped Conrad um, figure out the troubles during the Dust Bowl of how to get around it to build a successful hotel. Um, he wow. was really like the bee's knees. Like this guy is so cute and so approachable. So I called my Uncle Don. Here I am like 14. Like I have this idea about hair products, you know, and he told me at that age, here's what you do. He didn't tell me like I was silly. You're too young. He didn't do any of that. He was thrilled. And I wanted to create something to heal the hair during the bleaching process. He said, you need to go find uh, a lab, a scientist, call a lawyer. And he's telling me all these steps. And I was so thrilled. I hang up the phone and I just sat on the couch. And my mom's like, well, how was the conversation? I go, it was really good. But I don't think I can do it. <laughs> I'm 14. I'm in cosmetology school. I don't know a scientist. I don't know a lawyer. Like, I don't know. I am clueless. I just have this idea. And I let it go. And sure enough, years later, years there's later. Olaplex. And there's all these other brands creating these bonders or bond, yeah. uh, you know, systems. And here I was at 14 uh, trying to figure it out with my Uncle Don. And, wow. and so on my mom's side of the family, same with, um, her grandfather who actually funded uncle Don's, um, first type of business, uh, he retired at 34. So, uh, he created, so it's in your genes. It, it the was there. Those are the things always the men, your DNA. but it was there. Yeah. And did you think that that was the route that you wanted to go to Never. ultimately work for yourself? You were happy working for other people, leading this jet set lifestyle and kind of Sounds like being somewhat of a personality, like you were yeah. an expert in that space. Yeah, that's what it was. I never once um, thought I wanted to be, be an entrepreneur. I Didn't. never did. But people would introduce me or if they were like, oh, you know, my mom would say, "She's, I'm so proud. She's an entrepreneur. And I, I never identified myself with it. And she was telling me, uh, don't you remember you were uh, like, nine or 10 years old and you were playing softball at a tournament and everyone got those little cooler neck things. I saw a need that people wanted this to cool down in between the games or innings and people were buying them and they were like 40 bucks. And this was years ago. So it was expensive. So I convinced my parents to, to front me 20. I'd give them 20, front me 20. And I took that thing home and I cut it up. Like what's inside, what's making this thing like so hot. And I called up my grandma and asked if I can come over and use her sewing machine. I wanted to try a project. So long story short, I recreated it. I went to nurseries and Home Depots. What is this thing inside that swells up? And I figured it out. And I made about 50 and sold out in between my tournament, <laughs> between my games. She reminds me of things like this. And I go, I don't remember that, but now I do. So yeah. I always just, I like pleasing people if it helps them or if there's a need and I can do it. 
I want to do it. I get satisfied with it. So I've yeah. done that throughout my entire and life. And that curiosity that you were talking about yeah. seems to always be there. I mean, the fact that you were able to open this up and really wonder, like, how how does this work? And how can I get it to work? And how can right. I do my sort of version of it? Right. Um, but if ha- somebody says, like, I want to be an entrepreneur, I say stay in school. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot easier. It is. Yeah. It's no joke. I used to think everyone could do it. Like, there was an entrepreneur in, in us all is sort of what I would say. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure. I think that um, it's it's a hard road, and so it takes a certain kind of uh, constitution, you know, right. to 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 want that and to um, to be able to stick through what what it means. Right. Um, exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's not good or bad. I think there are some bad things about entrepreneurship yeah. <laughs> too. But um, anyway. So you didn't necessarily want to be an entrepreneur. That wasn't the goal, but you did want to satisfy this need and creating this product all these years later was really doing, giving you the opportunity to do that. I have to believe that there were moments that you were like, I am so out of here. This is done or I'm done. This is ridiculous. When you had those moments of wanting to throw in the towel, what was it that kept you going? Well, I wrote a book about it. You did? I didn't publish it. I wrote it for healing. (laughs) But come to find out because it resurfaced last week and I wrote it nine years ago. Um, I sent it over to my sister. She couldn't put it down. So now it's out there. Like she's like, I'm sending it to so-and-so and and -and so-and-so and and then they're sending it out. So it's out there. Um, But really it's, it's life. I experienced at a younger age, my early 20s, um, life can be gone like right now. And so when I wanted to throw in the towel, it was always life and purpose. That Mm -hmm. was like, okay, is this really a big deal or not? You know, all of these stresses and all of my gray hairs, I was talking about my new gray hairs. um, Those are very minor on the scale of things. You know, we are each given life Mm -hmm. for everyone has a different purpose. And if you're not fulfilling your purpose, you're you're cheating the world and you're cheating mm. yourself. Amen. Yep. I, honestly, that's what we're here for. I mean, we yeah. believe that it's really to help women in particular. I mean, all people, we think this is important for all people, but women in particular to find that thing that they're supposed to be doing and mm-hmm. to inspire them to do it by listening to stories like yours and then to equip them. What do you need? What do you right. need to get to the next step? Absolutely. You know, how can we help you? Oh, you need some stories? You need a podcast? You need to listen to people tell their own stories so it'll inform yours? Okay, we'll do that. Right. So we are we are in 100% agreement with you. We love that. Um, was there a particular moment that you can sort of call up where you really felt like this could be it? I might have to stop. Yes, absolutely. So I was sent out to Oklahoma to meet with a lot of different uh, salons and do my education thing, which was very normal. And one day, I mean, I was even in and out of service. I was in nowhere, Oklahoma. (laughs) And and, uh, I answered the phone. It was my mom, but it was my daughter. And Mm -hmm. I believe she was five or four and she was crying. And she just said, mommy, I need you. Mommy, where are you? And And she was crying and I knew something was wrong because she's strong. She doesn't cry. And so my mom said, you know, we just got back from the emergency room. She broke her clavicle 
And of course, I'm thinking, well, how did that happen? Yeah. Well, she had rolled off my mom's bed and hit the side dresser and she broke her clavicle. And at that moment in nowhere, Oklahoma, I started to cry in the car. I, all I wanted as a mom is to be there with my daughter. Sure. And to, to think, I, I just thought, what kind of mom am I? I can't even be there with my daughter right now. What am I doing? And I, it just hit me. And I went to the airport. I called the accounts and I said, look, I have to go. I'm sorry, but it's my kid. Yeah. I have to go. So I went to the airport and did standby. I wasn't due to leave until the next day. And I did standby. And because that time, thankfully, I had my miles, I I was able to get bumped uh, up. Yeah, bumped up and get a seat. But still, that entire way, um, traveling back home, you know the damage is already done, but the fact that you can't be there with your child. And that wasn't the first time something like that happened. She struggled with illness when she was very young, but my parents always supported what I did and believed in me. So when she would have to go to the emergency mm. room for fevers or whatever it was, I would cry. And I would be alone crying, knowing where I wanted to be. My heart was somewhere else. So it was hard. And what what kept you sort of from saying, I'm going to pick a career where I don't have to travel. I'm going to like, what was it that kept you going? Cause I think there are moms that are going to hear this. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I've been in your shoes. I know what you're talking about. And you're like, okay, the one time I'm not there and right. you know, something happens. Um, but then it's the 10 times that I'm not there because that's part of, that's part of what it means. You're giving your time and your energy to something else. And no offense to any of the dads out there, but when a child get hurt, gets hurt, rarely does the dad say, like, should I leave my job? Like, should I? Right. That's it's not, what the mom it's, thinks. It's just, yeah. yeah. So what do you want to say to those moms, given that you yourself were in that, in that moment? Like, hang in there. Um, well, hang in there is so much, it's easier said than sure. done. And, um, going back to something that you briefly asked is, was there a time I wanted, you know, when I wanted to go yeah. or did I try? I actually did. Mila was a surprise pregnancy. Mm -hmm. I was fully involved with work and not planning a pregnancy. When mm -hmm. I found out I was pregnant, I freaked out and I went on websites. I wanted to be a secretary, somebody's assistant. I wanted to, yeah. I put in an application for Edison. Like, what can I do? Because I gave my my life to corporate America. You can't just go behind the chair and start taking clients. It takes years to do. So sure. I flipped out and it's funny. I, it wasn't my, it wasn't supposed to be because nobody ever called me back. Nobody ever wanted to take my resume. Nobody wanted to talk to me or I was overqualified or I was overpaid. There was always something and I couldn't have another job it was not meant for me to have another job. And so I said, okay, this is how I'm going to take care of my daughter. Mm -hmm. As a single mom, from the very beginning, from day one, a single mom, this is what I have to do. My daughter only has me. Yeah. Of course, celebrating my family because it's like a tribe. But as far as her and I or a, a missing father figure, sure. it was her and I. And so her life and her betterment of growing up relies on me and I will get it done. And the example of you, um, the example that she she's going to be able to be and do what she wants because she's had that modeled for her, which is what I love about the story. And thank you. All, all girl power goes back to that mom. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Thanks for that. Of course.
If you could go back and give your young Devin self, not that you're not still young, but your younger <laughs> Devin self, um, a piece of wisdom when specifically you were starting out with the product line, mm -hmm. what would you go back and say to her? You're enough. Mm. And I, I, this can be taken in two ways. I see a lot of people say, well, I'm enough. And it's like this egotistical, like big head. I'm just enough. But for me, I, I don't like to call it a sacrifice because I don't feel like anything I've done has been a sacrifice. Mm -hmm. I mean, I work seven days a week. I chose not to go to happy hour. I chose not to have friends. I chose work. So to me, those were choices, not sacrifices. But I put in the time, I put in the energy, and I gave them my soul. And so for me to think that I was less than cheats myself mm -hmm. and it cheats those future opportunities. So at a younger age, I would say you're doing good. You are enough. Keep mm -hmm. going. Um, I want your daughter to listen to this podcast. I want Aww. her to hear the story of you in, in between the innings, but I want her to hear that. That's very <laughs> powerful. That's cool. Thank you. So um, we're going to hear the rest of your just tools and tips and resources on the back end. Um, so Liberty listeners, hang on. We will see you guys next week. Liberty Sessions is broadcast on all platforms, Apple Podcast, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Stitcher. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe, rate, and review Liberty Sessions on Apple Podcast. It helps us to know if these episodes are inspiring and equipping you to launch and grow your own ventures. You can also find us every day on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Liberty For Her. And please leave a comment using the hashtag Liberty Sessions. We want to hear your thoughts, suggestions, and brilliant ideas. Liberty Sessions is produced by Netta Jones and Elizabeth Windham and music by Jordan Flower. 